Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. The Pact and the Prodigal, Part 2. A gentle drizzle fell over the gray churchyard. Above the clouds, the sun would be dawning on a new day, but it was nearly impossible to tell from where the flying squirrel stood. The masked marvel shifted her weight from foot to foot, like a prize fighter waiting for the next bout. Everything about this set her teeth on edge. She and the red panda moved fast and kept to the shadows where they could, and covered themselves with clouds of smoke and other tricks where they could not. These were the things that kept them safe. Not standing flat-footed in a churchyard, attending a funeral for another mystery man. The minister of the quiet church in the city's north end seemed to share her concern, and he stepped closer to the squirrel and spoke quietly. "'Everything is ready,' he said. "'I know this is not the sort of thing that can be rushed, but as we discussed—' "'I know it, Reverend,' Kit nodded. "'Nobody wants to bring the circus to town. "'We're just waiting on a couple more.' The minister nodded but still seemed anxious. "'With all that you and the Red Panda have done for this community, "'I was only too glad to offer your friend Mr. Anders a place to rest. "'A friend might be stretching it a bit,' Kit shrugged. "'I never met the guy.' He wasn't real warm. The Red Panda looked after his retirement, but the mass phantom kept to himself. And he was... Forgive me, I, I didn't... The Reverend hesitated. There have been mystery men in Toronto for a long time before us, the squirrel shrugged. And I guess there will be, long after we're gone. It seems funny that people forget, but maybe we ask for it. She looked across the rows of headstones to try and see the red panda, but in the near darkness of the spring dawn, she had to activate her night vision goggles to do it. He was still standing quietly beside the coffin which held the remains of the retired hero. They had found Dodsworth Anders' body where it had fallen, his books and what mementos of his career he had kept all undisturbed. There had been no obvious wound, but bruising on the chest suggested some sort of concussive device had been used, and the Red Panda had become very quiet on the subject. Anders was a very old man, but it did not seem like age was the cause of death. Everything else had happened quickly, and it was clear that he intended that they should handle any investigation themselves, while giving the masked phantom the same anonymity in death as he insisted upon in life. The Red Panda had been very quiet thus far. She should be down there with him, she decided, and gave the minister a chuck on the shoulder before stepping away. Just a few minutes, Reverend, she promised. Then we'll be out of your hair. By the time she reached his side, they could both hear a car approaching slowly along the wet gravel drive. That'll be them, the Red Panda said. The car pulled to a halt a short distance away, and the lawyer Charles Hayden stepped out with an umbrella which he held out ahead for the benefit of his passengers rather than himself. The door opened, and a tall, very thin man emerged. 
Even in the long shadows of the grey sunrise, it was easy to see that he was immaculate, from the top of his bowler hat to the spats upon his shoes. He smiled at Hayden and raised his own umbrella, as if to suggest that even old age could not compel him to accept such a kindness. "'Sir Harold Wells,' the Red Panda said quietly. "'The Paladin?' Kit asked with quiet awe. "'He used to be,' he nodded. Someone else began to emerge from the long black car, and the flying squirrel was startled when it proved to be a stunningly beautiful brunette. She certainly did not seem to belong to the same generation as her fellow passenger. True, magic had kept Maxwell Falcone spry and younger than his ears might suggest, but this was extreme. Kit was about to speak when she saw the woman's hand trembling with the effort of stepping free from the car. Hayden took her hand gently and guided it to his arm for support. As the woman stepped up the gentle slope toward the grave... She appeared to be as young and beautiful as a flying squirrel herself, but she seemed desperately fragile. The red panda seemed to sense her question. Carol Carson, he said, once known as the clockwork doll. Kit's eyes opened wide. The automaton, she said with amazement. Why does she move like an old lady? Because that is exactly what she is, he said gravely. Her creator and anyone else who understood her construction passed away years ago. Now she is just like anyone else, winding down, uncertain of how much time is left. Are you okay? she asked him quietly, knowing that she might not get another chance. He nodded. I'll be better when we know what happened to Dodsworth Anders, he said. The frail old man stepped toward them with quiet dignity. He touched the brim of his hat toward each of them and did not offer to shake hands. Sir Harold, the red panda said with a very slight bow. The old man's eyes twinkled. Well done, young fellow, he said looking back toward the clockwork doll, making her way carefully and slowly toward the place where their teammate would shortly be laid to rest. Behold, the final view of the Society of Gentlemen Adventurers. My only problem with being one of the few, the brunette said in a clear voice, is the way we have of getting fewer and fewer. The old man nodded. Let's get old Dodsworth planted he said in his clipped proper accent, and then perhaps we can see to that as well. Sir Harold Wells was, by anyone's measure, a very old man, it was true. He no longer wore a sword by his side as he had when he fought crime as the paladin all those years ago. However, the barbs of his disapproval seemed just as sharp as his blade had ever been as he took in Dodsworth Anders' modest rooms. Well, the devil has Carol got to, the old man said crossly. She's still with that shifty fellow who drove us from the airport. You mean Mr. Hayden? The flying squirrel offered. He's helping her in from the car. Hayden? Sir Harold sniffed. Don't know any Hayden. Sir Harold, the red panda said gently. It's Charlie. Charlie Hayden. Charlie? 
the old man brightened. You mean that devil of a scamp that hung around the New York headquarters? Always in and out of trouble. Whatever became of him? The two masked heroes exchanged a look. He's helping Carol in from the car, the Red Panda reminded. Jolly good, Wells nodded. He looked around at his surroundings once again, and his smile faded. Don't get much to a pound these days, do you? he said with an arched eyebrow that might have cut glass. There weren't many pounds to apply to the equation, the Red Panda said quietly. Sir Harold sniffed. I suppose not, he said. The masked phantom always had a patron of some kind. I never knew who it was. Someone to fit the bill for his war on crime. I suppose Dodsworth was too stubborn to skim a bit off the top for a rainy day. I suppose so, the Red Panda agreed, saying nothing more. Sir Harold's eyes twinkled, and he still had the sense to aim them at a pretty girl when they did so. He isn't even going to let on that he paid for these rooms himself, is he? He smiled at the flying squirrel as he watched her partner for a reaction. Come, come, old man. I looked into it years ago, when I still had a head for such things. A rather Byzantine series of trusts, quite impossible to trace back to their origin, even for me. I taught you that trick as I recall, though I confess you are better at it than I ever was. It seemed the least I could do, the Red Panda said by way of a confession. I wish he would have allowed me to do more. Come, come, none of that, Wells scolded. Dodsworth was always something of a Jesuit at heart. <laughs> this would be a palace to him. To tell the truth, I had quite forgotten he was with us when we had founded that blasted tontine. He was never really an ordinary member of the society. Who among us were ever really ordinary, Hal? A clear voice called from the front door. It was the clockwork doll, leaning heavily on Charles Hayden, who had helped her in from the car. Certainly not you, my lovely, Wells said with an admiring shake of his head. Nor are you now as beautiful as you ever were. Honestly, Carol... The greatest regret of my long and distinguished life is that you and I never broke society by law 32 together, he frowned. Unless we did. Uh, my memory isn't what it used to be, you know. Carson lowered herself into a chair with a whir and a grinding of gears, gasping a little in evident discomfort. Oh, Hal, I promise you, if we had, you would certainly remember. Sir Harold began a wheezing laugh that had tears streaming down his cheeks in moments. <laughs> I'm sure you're right, my dear. The flying squirrel smiled and her eyes met Carson's. I like you, Kit said, because it was true. The clockwork doll smiled and inclined her head slightly. Only woman in an all-male club of international mystery men, and some fool decided we needed an anti-fraternization bylaw. She said with a snort. I'm a super-powered robot girl, not a rabbit. She gasped again. Or at least I was. Isn't there something that can help you? Kit said with a glance at the red panda. I mean, we know people that... Well, I'm sure that they could help. Carol Carson unleashed a dazzling smile and pointed to the man in the mask who stood impassively by the window and pretended to watch the rain. Your fella here has tried that same line, and don't bother to deny it. 
He can't go more than ten point six seconds without looking at you. Carson shook her head again. Your experts might mean well, and I'm sure they are very clever. But if they even made a small mistake, they could erase that which makes me me, or cut short what time I have left. Or worse yet, they might succeed. She lifted her head and smiled up at Kit gently. All my friends are gone, she said, present company excepted. All I did was go to funerals for a while there, and now most of those are even done. And now even poor dear dogs, oh so serious, always awkward dogs, gone now, quite gone. I haven't got another war left in me. She stopped speaking, and her head lowered slightly. But whether it was from emotion or low power, Kit could not begin to say. I suppose it is time to talk about the elephant in the room. The red panda said at last. Charles Hayden sprang to life, producing a small box from his pocket. Of course, he said, lifting the lid to reveal nine terribly solid-looking antique keys, and one other, which seemed to fade in and out. Like a picture being tuned in on an experimental television. I've consulted some experts, as you might imagine. Hayden said, "It seems that our friend Maxwell Falcone used multiple magics when enchanting these keys, with slightly different definitions for their release from the pact. As a result, his own key fluctuates between our reality and the dimension where it has been hidden since the riddle of Gilgamesh was first solved." I thought that you might, Mister Hayden," the Red Panda interrupted. "That was not entirely the elephant to which I was referring. I think he means the death of the masked phantom," the squirrel offered. "Masked phantom," Sir Harold said excitedly. "Old Dodsworth Anders, do you know him?" The clockwork doll reached out and took the old man's hand. "Hush a minute, baby," she said gently. Wells nodded. "Yes, of course. Yes." He said softly, "Quite right, do. I think we can agree that the release of his key was the only motivating factor in the death of Dodsworth Anders," the Red Panda said gravely, releasing his key and bringing the remaining members of the pact together. I don't know about that, Red Panda," Hayden offered. "This isn't the best of neighborhoods. Perhaps Dodsworth surprised a prowler. Nothing was taken," the Red Panda said simply. "Nothing was disturbed." A prowler would have torn these shelves apart looking for hidden loot. Besides, I know how Anders was killed. A society of gentlemen adventurers force projector ray. A stunner? Carol was shocked. But no one outside of the society could have one of those. Never used one myself, Sir Harold sniffed. The paladin used not but his enchanted blade in battle. I had one built into my left arm," the clockwork doll admitted, "but it hasn't worked in years. They were never powerful enough to kill a man. He was frail, but you're right," the red panda agreed. "This one was modified to have deadly force. That makes it premeditation." You don't know what you're suggesting, red panda," Hayden stammered. "You're accusing." 
two of the greatest heroes of all time, of betraying a sacred trust to regain the power that time has robbed of them. Am I? The red panda said. The blank white eyes of his domino mask flashed with something like fury. Clockwork Doll could use the power to revivify, to restore her own life, but she has turned down offers of that kind of assistance before, including one this very morning. And Sir Harold could use the power to fight for England one more time, Kit took over. But he wouldn't have come after the Mass Phantom's key, because he didn't remember Anders was even with them at the time. Good girl, Sir Harold called out, turning to whisper to Carol, who is that? To say nothing of the fact that Anders' key wasn't even in their power to take, the Red Panda said with quiet fury in his voice. The keys are bound to you by magic, and, I suspect, to one another, if you're carrying them all together. It would have appeared to you no matter where you were, but you were here, using Anders' death to cover meeting with me to solve the mystery of Falcone's elusive key. Oh, Charlie, the clockwork doll said quietly. How could you? How could I? Hayden stammered, blinking back tears. All those years of hanging around, playing mascot, running for the lunch orders, standing lookout, getting kidnapped. All to be the one on hand when someone, anyone in the society decided to take on an apprentice, train a successor. A sidekick, Sir Harold barked. Preposterous! You're much too old! There would have been time! Hayden shouted. But I got nothing from you! And when this masked menace appeared on the scene, one by one, you gave him the training you denied me! You gave him everything! He was a grown man! And trained when he arrived! Carol Carson protested. You were a child! Well, I'm not anymore! Hayden said pulling a sleek, futuristic-looking weapon from the folds of his coat. Tyranny has risen again, and the world needs heroes who are up to the challenge. When I have the power of the Tontine, I will do the job that you are no longer fit to do. I'm sorry that it has come to this, but this modified stunner will make a quick job of each of you. Red Panda, I have no quarrel with you or the girl. When I am a one-man society... Perhaps we can even help each other. But I need one thing from you first. You want me to direct Max Falcone's key, the Red Panda said. Or I shoot the girl, Hayden said simply. Very well, the masked man said, reaching forward to lift the lid of the box once more. Like fun! The flying squirrel protested, flipping a throwing star from her hip without looking and putting it neatly through Charles Hayden's gun hand. The stunner clattered to the floor, just as a preacher had, and Hayden howled in protest. The red panda reached into the box and placed his finger in the space occupied and yet not yet occupied by Falcone's key. Maxwell Falcone is trapped in extra-dimensional space. He cannot be declared dead until the fissure opens many years in the future. There was a howling of wind, and the key began to fade, taking the other keys with it as it faded into nothingness. No! Hayden screamed. The keys are bound to one another! They're all going! As are you, Charles Hayden, 
the red panda intoned gravely, as Hayden also began to fade, swept into oblivion by a relentless tide of magic. You are yet bound by the oath you forsook. No! Hayden cried, reaching out desperately for help that would not come. You need me! You need power for the fight to come! The one thing we don't need is a traitor, Charles Hayden, the masked man said, as the last wisps of Charlie Hayden disappeared into the winds of time. Your lust for power has betrayed us all. Carol Carson turned her head and gripped the hand of Sir Harold until he gasped. We just keep getting fewer, she said, until there is nothing left at all. You have been listening to the Red Panda Chronicles number 8, The Pact and the Prodigal, written by Greg Taylor and read by Greg Taylor and Clarissa de Nederlanden for the Dakota Ring Theater podcast. Dakota Ring Theater is powered by Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash g-r-e-g-g-t-a-y-l-o-r to show your support. Feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.